discuter de tout ça. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, whenever it may be, wherever you may be, and however you may be hearing my voice. Whether it be via download through one of the many podcast platforms, or if you are listening to the premiere on the Alternate Current Radio's live stream, I appreciate you tuning in and joining me as we attempt to navigate the shark-infested waters of the agenda-centivized media and look past the propaganda. This is your daily dose of what's currently all the ruckus. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. Starting yesterday, not being vaccinated for COVID-19 in France is like not drinking your morning coffee. Life will simply be worse without it. Large entertainment and cultural venues, including museums, sports arenas, and movie theaters, will now require proof of vaccination or a negative test for COVID-19. And that's just the start. Being vaccinated will be a requirement to enter other businesses, such as cafes and restaurants, starting in August. President Emmanuel Macron announced the measures last week in order to revive a slowing vaccination drive and limit the worst impacts of the Delta variant. France's infection rate has jumped 125% in the last week, and a little over 40% of the population is fully vaccinated. The vaccine strategy has resulted in two things. One, it has angered a lot of people. More than 100,000 protesters hit the streets last weekend, saying the vaccine rules infringed on their rights. And number two, it has spurred vaccinations. The country set a single-day record for shots administered last Friday. In the 24 hours after Macron's speech, more than 1.7 million people scheduled a vaccine appointment. What about us? The U.S. federal government hasn't introduced any vaccine requirements for businesses, and it likely won't take any steps until the FDA grants full approval to at least one of the shots. Remember, right now all three U.S.-made vaccines are under quote-unquote emergency use authorization. This hasn't stopped other organizations from saying no vaccine, no service. 590 colleges have at least some form of vaccine mandate. More hospitals are now requiring that their staff get vaccinated, and plenty of businesses, from your local bar to Madison Square Garden, will want Want you to show proof of vaccination before stepping inside. The bottom line, from $1 million lotteries to calling in Olivia Rodrigo for a public service announcement, U.S. officials have offered loads of carrots to push the vaccine hesitant to get their shots. France is breaking out the sticks. Morningbrew.com. Ah, yes. Good old America. Land of the people who only think they're free, and the home of the best COVID-19 vaccination carrots. 
from free Krispy Kreme donuts to the possibility of winning a million dollars in some sort of lottery. Getting the jab can get you all sorts of things, including, but not limited to, through the door to go attend a concert, or have a drink at your local bar, or eat at a local restaurant. However, not getting the jab can get you lots of things too. It can get you to lose your college scholarship. It can get you cut off from vital life-saving medical procedures. And it can even get you fired. You're listening to Alternate Current Radio. I'm Adam Clark, and this is The Daily Ruckus. Hello, or should I say, bonjour. You know, I come from New Hampshire, and I live in New Mexico now. Yet in high school, before I moved out here, I studied French. Go figure, I should have studied Spanish. But regardless, I took French because I always thought in my head, for some reason, I would like to visit France. Well, not anymore. Or as Inspector Clouseau would say in the Pink Panther movies, not anymore. The Guardian reports, there are teething troubles on day one of France's controversial health pass for accessing public places. Outside Montpelier's main art gallery, the Musée Fabre, a security guard squints at a visitor's smartphone. I can't see your pass, he says. The visitor tries shielding it from the severe Mediterranean sun. I don't see anything either. I can't even see whether my phone's unlocked or not. From Wednesday, showing either a health pass or proof of a negative PCR test dated to within 48 hours is obligatory in France for anyone wishing to access any cultural or leisure facilities with a capacity of more than 50 people. This includes cinemas, art galleries, libraries, museums, sports centers, and work-related events. Cafes, restaurants, and trains will fall under the measures at the beginning of August. The measures are part of Macron's push to reignite France's flagging vaccination drive amid a fourth wave of the pandemic. With 18,000 cases reported in the 24 hours prior to July 20th, French government spokesman Gabriel Attal described the Delta variant-driven surge as quote-unquote stratospheric. The national week-on-week infection rate has jumped 125 percent to 86 per 100,000, well above the national alert threshold of 50. A calm queue has formed in the cavernous foyer of the Mediatek Emile Zola, the city's main library, except for one grumbling pensioner. I've had one injection, the old man protests. I'm afraid you need two, he is told. He storms off, carping to himself. Seaham, a 26-year-old student, is also turned away because she doesn't have the necessary certification. She thought the measures started in September. It's wrecked my day a bit, she says. Sipping an espresso outside the glass doors of the cinema diagonal, manager Charlie Peregnigue, 36, points out that the new health pass has already caused a drop in advanced ticket sales nationwide. Quote, it's really dropped us in the merde having to check everyone. We're not going to buy a smartphone for each till just for two or three months. End quote. Perched on a wall, waiting for Montpelier's Moco Contemporary Art Museum to open, Mark Combis, 70, says, quote, people have started doing whatever they liked, so we have to tighten the screws, end quote. But he's worried that they could step on the road to some form of quote-unquote dictatorship 
It's the kind of debate taking place nationwide, with some protesters who marched against the health pass last weekend, wearing yellow Star of David badges, causing huge controversy. Around 5,500 people took to the streets in Montpellier last weekend, one of over 130 protests that gathered just over 110,000 people across the country. More than 3.7 million people booked a first injection appointment in the week following following Macron's July 12th address, just over 45% of the population is now fully vaccinated. But Macron, in the run-up to next year's presidential election, must mollify the country's deeply ingrained anti-vax contingent. Two vaccination centers have been physically attacked in recent days, and the health pass has not yet hit the heart of French culture, cafes, and restaurants. Outside L'Odyssée, a bistro near Montpellier's main station, Owner Isaac Attila, 41, says checking all his clientele will be unworkable. Quote, even many of the ones who are vaccinated, they say they'll refuse to show their pass on principle, end quote. But if he does not do it, he could be subject to a penalty of up to 45,000 euros. Quote, I think Macron wanted to frighten people into getting vaccinated, but without ordering them directly to do it, he says. It's a bit dictatorial. I know about this kind of behavior from when I I lived in Turkey, but I never thought it would happen this way in France." End quote. TheGuardian.com Well, shucks. Pretty soon we might be saying that here in America. Daniel Engber, a senior editor at The Atlantic, says vaccination in America might have only one tragic path forward. America's vaccination rates have fallen off a cliff and nothing seems to help. On June 2nd, President Joe Biden announced a frantic plan to reverse what already seemed to be an awful exponential slide. At the peak of the country's vaccine rollout in mid-April, almost 3.5 million doses were being put into arms every single day. But that number had quickly dropped by half, and then by half again. Biden's quote-unquote month of action came and went, and nothing really changed. Or rather, the situation kept on changing for the worse. Demand for vaccinations shrank in July, as it had in May and June. Even statewide vaccination lotteries, described as a great idea, turned out to be a flop. With every passing day, the pace of vaccinations only seems to drag a little closer to the gutter. As of July 12th, it had fallen off by half again. The great vaccine decline now appears to be an ugly force of nature. If it continues, further horrors are all but guaranteed to follow. Sadly, those horrors may be the only thing that stops it. The problem, it's been said, is that we live in two Americas, riven by both ideology and immunology. In blue America, vaccination rates are standing up just fine. In red America, they're slouchy and exposed. Indeed, the latest vaccine numbers show that 17 states have now provided at least one dose to more than 60% of their population, and every single one of them voted for Biden in the last election. Another 16 states are struggling to reach a rate of 50%. All but one of those went for Donald Trump. But there's another better way to think about what's happening here. If the distribution of vaccines keeps slowing down, it's not because America is divided, but because we're running out of people who think vaccines will save their lives. 
It certainly hasn't helped the vaccination drive that Fox News and other right-wing outlets are sowing fear about the safety of the COVID-19 shots and about the efforts to distribute them. Still, the recent wave of right-wing propaganda hasn't clearly made the problem worse. Going by the numbers that we have so far, Tucker Carlson's summer monologues aren't really changing many minds. In fact, enthusiasm for the vaccine has been growing overall in both Americas alike. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, which has been carefully following vaccine attitudes and behaviors since December, almost half of Democrats were saying that they planned to get immunized as soon as possible if they hadn't done so already at the end of 2020. By June, that rate had nearly doubled to 88%. Republicans started from a lower baseline, but they've also gotten more accepting. Just like the Democrats, the proportion saying that they wanted the vaccine almost doubled over time, from 28% to 54%. Party rhetoric notwithstanding, the overall partisan gap in vaccine enthusiasm has been holding steady at a little more than 30 points through all of 2021. Rather than diverging politics, people's willingness to get vaccinated might best be understood as a function of how they perceive risk. Although there are more noble reasons to be immunized than self-protection, surveys show that they're not the ones most often cited. Kaiser finds that among those who have gone for their shots, more than half say the main reason was to reduce their personal risk of illness. Meanwhile, among the unvaccinated, one half assert that COVID-19 case rates are now so low that further vaccinations are unnecessary. Risk perception is just one of many factors that determine vaccine uptake. You could be terrified of getting COVID-19, for example, and desperate to be immunized, but still find yourself unable to reach a distribution site. A person's sense of danger could also modulate these other factors, at least for some people. The time and effort that it takes to get vaccinated may matter less to those who worry more. Risk certainly seems to help explain the other major gap in vaccination rates across the U.S. population between the gray America of retirees and the green one of millennials. Some 80% of seniors have now been vaccinated versus 55% of young adults, a gaping 30-point spread that matches up almost perfectly with the spread between Democrats and Republicans. If these two Americas of old and young are making different choices about vaccines, it can't be just because they're watching different cable talk shows or or because they vary in their trust in institutions, or because they disagree about the legal merits of Jacobson versus Massachusetts. No, old people are much more likely than young people to get their COVID-19 shots, because old people are much more likely to die from the disease, and they know it. The same pattern holds for uptake of the flu shot every year. Seniors who are at the greatest risk of influenza are much more likely to be immunized. The age gap for the flu shot, like the one for COVID-19 vaccination, is roughly 30 points. Since the very start of the pandemic, Republicans and Democrats have differed widely in their sense of the virus's dangers. From March 2020, the Pew Research Center has been asking American adults whether the coronavirus outbreak represents a, quote, major threat to the health of the U.S. population as a whole, end quote. And from March 2020, Democrats have almost always been about twice as likely 
likely to say yes. In May of last year, 82% of Democrats agreed that it was a major threat, compared with 43% of Republicans. Politicians were working hard from March 2020 to shape those very perceptions among their constituents, and it worked. The partisan worry gap was in place long before any vaccines were ever tested, and long before the right-wing media started talking up the risks of deadly side effects. It hasn't budged for months and months and months. Differences in risk perception are not as clearly linked to other important and somewhat narrower vaccination gaps, such as the one between black and white Americans. But looking at the numbers overall, you can see some hints of how those factors might have played into the timing of America's great vaccine decline. It's clear enough that vaccinating people drives down the spread of COVID-19. Over a period of about six months, the number the number of new cases recorded every day in the U.S. has dropped by 95%, while the number of Americans who have been fully vaccinated increased a hundredfold. But the effect might also go the other way, with a decline in COVID-19 cases driving down the rate of vaccination. On March 11th, Biden announced a huge expansion of the vaccine rollout, and over the next month, the number of doses being given out per day increased by 25%, but case rates were increasing two by about the same amount. Then, around April 12th, both trend lines hit a ceiling. From that point on, fewer Americans were getting sick and fewer were getting vaccinated. By the end of June, both rates had fallen off by more than 80%. It's not surprising that demand for vaccination would tend to fall off over time, given that the most enthusiastic people line up first. Once they've gotten all their doses, the pace can only slow. But the coincidental timing of the drop in case rates hints that people's sense of risk could be a factor too. Imagine that you're not so sure about getting the vaccine yourself, and then you hear that the pandemic is receding. Maybe that makes you somewhat less inclined to take the day off work and find a mobile clinic. Maybe it's a reason to wait a little longer. Noel Brewer, a psychologist who studies health behaviors at the University of North Carolina, told me, Quote, one of the main problems that vaccination programs face is that they're effective, and their effectiveness undermines people's interest in vaccination. End quote. If our sense of danger, or lack thereof, is behind the great vaccine decline, then maybe there's a fix. Should we try to make the holdouts more afraid? Scared straight programs for vaccines have been tried before, and they haven't done much good. Studies tend to find that pointing to the dangers of disease will certainly certainly freak some people out, but that feeling is short-lived and doesn't seem to change behavior. Quote, they found small increases in perceived risk, but no increases in vaccine uptake. Brewer said, on balance, it's not going to work, end quote. It's also possible that some people who are disinclined to get their COVID-19 shots might not be wrong, per se, in their assessment of their own relative risk of dying from the disease, even if they're neglecting the bigger picture. Young people really are hundreds of times less vulnerable than seniors, and Republicans are, on average, a lot more realistic than Democrats about a person's chances of developing severe disease once they've been infected by the coronavirus. At the same time, they're much less realistic about COVID-19's harms in aggregate. In other words, 
efforts to scare more young people or Republicans into getting vaccinated could end up encouraging them to be less informed about the facts, at least narrowly construed, instead of more so. Brewer warns that any form of intervention aimed at people's quote-unquote thoughts and feelings about vaccines isn't likely to succeed. We know that those thoughts and feelings help determine people's actions, but that doesn't mean they can be changed by PSAs or other public health campaigns. It's better to focus on behavior, he told me. Quote, we have to help folks take action. We have to help them take time off work. We have to help lower the barriers that are currently preventing them from acting on their good intentions. End quote. It's important for people's own doctors to be involved in the process, encouraging and delivering vaccines, Brewer said. Vaccine requirements might make a difference. Full FDA approval for the vaccines could help too, though how much is debated. Of course, helping folks take action is just the sort of thing that the White House has been pushing, and it hasn't done much good. Brewer acknowledged that the effects have been pretty small so far, but he said that doesn't mean they're unimportant. Changing people's health behaviors tends to be slow and difficult work. Quote, when looking at other vaccines, an increase of 2% year over year is a big deal, end quote. Even tiny bumps like these save lives. But as the Delta variant rips through Arkansas, Florida, Missouri, and the rest of the United States, we may see the vaccination numbers start to rise in tandem. If a drop in cases dampened people's urge to get vaccinated, then perhaps a surge in cases will do the opposite. If ICUs keep filling up and COVID-19 deaths increase again, then a growing sense of danger may envelop some among the vaccine-hesitant, nudging them toward action. A national month of action did little to arrest the great vaccine decline. Now a national month of pain and suffering is all we have. TheAtlantic.com Oh, what a twisted world we live in. So you're telling me that if your name happens to be, oh, I don't know, Patrick Henningsen, Mark Anderson, Chuck O'Celli, Whitney Webb, James Corbett, or Derek Bros, and you talk about how the media uses fear to tug at people's thoughts and feelings and influence their decisions concerning lockdowns and vaccines, you would simply be labeled a kooky conspiracy theorist misinformation pusher. Yet if your name happens to be Daniel Angber and you're a senior editor at The Atlantic, you can talk about the exact same thing, yet be labeled some sort of hero in this fight against the invisible enemy. Congratulations, Mr. Engber. I'm sure you did your absolute best throughout the pandemic to instill fear into your readers. I'm just happy to hear that you're proud of it. Because hey, it's always great if you love your job. And, you know, you do have to sleep with yourself at the end of the day, right? But anyways, moving on. Other than using fear as a tactic, the popular choice of weapon against the vaccine hesitant these days is the tactic of denying them things and making their lives quote-unquote harder, as explained on the previous episode of The Daily Ruckus. And as promised, if you thought that refusing to take the experimental gene therapy technology known as the quote-unquote COVID COVID-19 vaccine is no big deal because really at the end of the day, all that really means is that it could result in you missing out on a bunch of fun stuff, like attending a concert or a sporting event or going out to your local bar, which could certainly cramp one's style, but it certainly wouldn't necessarily make your life any 
harder. You don't need any of those things to live and truly succeed in life. However, there are some far more important things that you could be missing out on, thanks to your selfish decision to not take the shot. And unfortunately, the powers that be don't seem to even care what your reason is for not taking the shot. As reported by Daily Mail, an incoming college freshman was denied admission to her dream school and lost $200,000 in scholarships because she would not get vaccinated against coronavirus due to a pre-existing medical condition. Olivia Sandor, 18, said Brigham Young University Hawaii, BYUH, denied her fall admission due to state and college vaccination requirements, despite the fact that they had already awarded her scholarship money. Sandor, who suffers from Guillain-Barre syndrome, GBS, shared her story on Sean Hannity's Fox News program on Monday night and explained how she'd requested an exemption from the school's vaccination requirement after her team of medical providers advised against her getting the COVID-19 shot. But the university denied her request for exemption and told her to re-enroll after getting vaccinated. Sandor developed GBS after receiving an influence influenza vaccine in 2019 and was paralyzed from the waist down for over a month as a result. She said that while attending BYUH was her dream, the risks associated with the coronavirus vaccine do not outweigh the reward. Quote, I do not want to relapse and have another episode of Guillain-Barre, she told Hannity. It's really truly not worth it to me. End quote. The exemption letter written by Sandor's doctor and made public by Churning Point USA reads in part, quote, Because of Sandor's medical history, I believe a COVID vaccine or another influenza vaccine will endanger her health and possibly her life, and that she should avoid those vaccines indefinitely. End quote. However, her request was met with denial from the university via email. Quote, After careful consideration of your request for a medical exemption, we regret that we cannot accommodate your request the email read, due to our unique location, diverse student population, and daily interaction with international tourists at the Polynesian Cultural Center, we must take extra precautions to protect our campus and community, end quote. The university also encouraged her to consider attending BYUH when she is able to be fully vaccinated or to, quote, consider attendance at one of their other church universities, end quote. Sandor said that since BYU UH did not alert students of the vaccination mandate until mid-June. She doesn't know what she is going to do about college. Quote, all those scholarships are gone, she said. I really don't know where I'm going to churn or what my next steps are. End quote. Dailymail.co.uk So yeah, refusing the jab could mean that you're missing out on scholarships and attending your dream college. But ruckus, you say. I'm a working adult and I left college years ago. Or I I don't have any interest in attending college anyways. Well, don't worry. We'll get to you too. Calm down. Because that's not all you might be missing out on by not taking the jab. You could be missing out on the opportunity to work. Heck, you could even get fired. Like the six managers at a New Jersey hospital did. Just because they refused to get the COVID-19 vaccine. As reported by New York Post, a New Jersey hospital axed six supervisor-level employees 
for refusing to get vaccinated against the coronavirus. NorthJersey.com reported, RWJ Barnabas Health had required supervisory workers to get jabbed by June 30th, and now the system plans to expand that requirement to all of its staff and doctors. In a statement to NBC News on Wednesday, the company said, quote, As of July 14th, 2,979 staff members, or 99.7%, who are at the supervisor level and above, have been fully vaccinated or received medical and religious exemptions or a deferral. Regrettably, six staff at the supervisor level and above have not complied with the mandate and are no longer employees of RWJBH per our policy, end quote. The healthcare industry itself has not been immune to the debate over whether employers can and should require workers to get vaccinated. Some 150 workers at the Houston Methodist Hospital either quit or were fired after they refused to get vaccinated by last month. The departures capped a lengthy tussle between workers and hospital brass over the requirement that ended up in court. U.S. District Judge Lynn Hughes tossed the workers' suit and called the workers' claim false that the vaccines are experimental. NYPost.com But wait, there's more. If you don't act now and get the vaccine, you too could get kicked off the wait list for a life-saving organ transplant. LifeSite News reports, A father of three young children has been denied a kidney transplant by UMass Memorial Health Center unless he agrees to take experimental COVID-19 shots before the surgery. Bernard LaPierre, 37, who has been a type 1 diabetic since his childhood, was told in 2019 that his kidneys were failing and he needed to be put on the waiting list for a transplant when he was hospitalized for a major reaction to one of his prescription drugs. LaPierre's wife, Megan, told LifeSite News that she has recently completed most of the tests required for donating one of her own kidneys to her husband. The parents of three young boys said all was going well with their preparations for the major dual surgery, and they had inquired about vaccination, which they were reluctant to undergo, and were reassured on at least three occasions by UMass personnel that the decision to take any vaccine was their own medical choice. UMass administration suddenly pivoted its policy, however, said Megan. According to electronic patient notes she provided LifeSite News, a nurse identified as Linda S. wrote on June 25th that Bernard had become quote-unquote understandably upset that morning when she told him that a patient selection committee met on June 23rd, quote, and while we believe he is a good candidate for transplant, we want him to have the vaccinations recommended, hepatitis A, hepatitis B, Prevnar, and Pneumovax. End quote. On July 7th, another quote-unquote progress note written by infectious disease specialist Mary Dawn T. Coe said that Bernard would also be required to take coronavirus shots. Both hepatitis vaccines are a series of two doses. Prevnar and Pneumovax are vaccines against different kinds of pneumonia. LaPierre had pointed out that it was very unlikely for him to acquire a sexually transmitted disease from his own wife 
wife's organ. Quote, I explained that vaccines were recommended to prevent getting infections in general rather than those transmitted from his donor, Dr. Coe wrote in Bernard's Progress Notes. We talked about the increased risk of infections post-transplant and the possible compromise of his transplant should he develop an overwhelming infection. The patient said he was willing to assume the risks of going without vaccination, but I said that our program is not. I told him that we respected his wishes and concerns, but that we, as a program, believe that the benefits of vaccination outweighed the risks, and that having these vaccines was important to ensure that he had the best outcome after transplant." Megan LaPierre said she began questioning vaccine protocols that require multiple injections years ago after one of her sons became ill for months with diarrhea and ear infections following an appointment in which he received multiple vaccine shots in the same leg. She and her husband had become especially wary of the fast-tracked experimental COVID-19 vaccines that are still undergoing clinical trials and have already been linked to serious disorders, including blood clotting disorders, inflammatory heart conditions, and a paralyzing neurological condition, Guillain-Barre syndrome, and shingles. Bernard, a corrections officer, had said he would agree to the other vaccines, but not the experimental coronavirus injections. All current COVID-19 vaccines are still undergoing clinical trials for at least another year, and have not been approved by the FDA, but granted emergency use authorization only. The Nuremberg Code, enshrined after the atrocities against the Jews in World War II, recognizes the individual's right to refuse to any experimental or other medical intervention, free of any constraint or coercion. UMass has refused the LaPierre's wishes, however. Quote, Our policy is that we need to have them vaccinated, said UMass Public Relations Officer Deborah Spano. Immunosuppressive patients are at higher risk for infections and have poorer outcome. We're responsible for his outcomes, end quote. Spano said that the decision came from Adele Bozorgzida, Chief of Division of Organ Transplant asked about risks of the vaccine itself, for which the U.S. Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System has received more than 438,000 reports of adverse events. These include 9,048 deaths and more than 14,000 reports of life-threatening and permanently disabling events. Spano said, quote, The Pfizer vaccine is 93% effective at preventing COVID, and you're better to be alive. Now, if you're the person that dies, or ends up with myocarditis from the vaccine, that's a problem, end quote. Asked if the hospital could be liable in that case if it forced a patient to take an experimental COVID vaccine. She said, quote, I couldn't answer that for you, end quote. In a study published in May in the Journal of the American Medical Association, J-A-M-A. Johns Hopkins medicine researchers showed that in people who have received solid organ transplants, two shots against SARS-CoV-2 does not confer immunity, and they are still advised to keep social distancing and masking afterwards. A clinical trial of a third Pfizer booster shot against COVID to see if it raises immunity in kidney transplant recipients has not yet begun recruiting. Quote, the bottom line 
Sinus, he did not agree to get the vaccinations, said Spano, who added that he is scheduled for surgery two weeks after his final injections. Megan LaPierre told LifeSite News her husband has not consented to the COVID-19 vaccines at all, however, and has instead found two other hospitals willing to do the surgery without requiring him to take the shots. The ordeal of trying to evade vaccination and what the couple see as the unreasonableness of being forced to undertake an experimental injection has led the LaPierres to consider alternatives to transplantation altogether. In the time that doctors said LaPierre's kidney damage was irreversible and that transplantation was inevitable, his kidney function has increased from 17% in 2019 to 23% today. LaPierre underwent a fistula surgery this spring to insert an apparatus for dialysis, which his doctors thought would be necessary. But so far, he hasn't experienced symptoms of kidney failure, despite his poor lab measurements, and he does not qualify for dialysis at this point. Now, the couple is looking at healing by alternative measures before undergoing the transplant, which is risky for them both. Megan said, quote, we've hit pause, end quote. They are seeing a doctor about other tests for vitamin deficiencies and ways to strengthen Bernard's immune system, and at the same time, leaving their transplant options at other facilities open. LifeSiteNews.com Now, after all of that, if you still aren't convinced to take the jab, and you're dead set against it, but you're still sad that you might be missing out on something, like a concert. You won't be able to see Bruce Springsteen if you refuse to take the shot. However, I do have some good news. If you happen to be an Eric Clapton fan, as reported by Variety, in a statement posted onto Architect, film producer and anti-vaxxer Robin Minotti Graziedi's Telegram account, Clapton said, quote, Following the PM's announcement on Monday the 19th of July 2021, I feel honor-bound to make an announcement of my own. I wish to say that I will not perform on any stage where there is a discriminated audience present. Unless there is a provision made for all people to attend, I reserve the right to cancel the show. End quote. The news follows UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson's announcement Tuesday that as restrictions on social gatherings lift, nightclubs must require guests to show a COVID pass from the UK's National Health Service upon entry for everyone over the age of 18. Clapton has been releasing anti-vaccination and anti-lockdown statements and songs for close to a year now. In December 2020, Clapton joined fellow classic rocker turned anti-vaxxer Van Morrison on his song Stand and Deliver. The song features lyrics including, quote, do you want to be a free man or do you want to be a slave, end quote. Variety critics ranked it as one of the worst songs of 2020. In an earlier release, Clapton detailed a quote-unquote disastrous experience with the AstraZeneca vaccine, for which he blamed quote-unquote propaganda for pushing on him. The musician continued on, revealing that he suffers from quote, peripheral neuropathy and should never have gone near the needle, 
end quote. Variety.com. Well, good on Eric Clapton. And it's very sad that he took the shot and he experienced an adverse event. But I guess in the long run, it is a good thing that he took the shot after all. I'd hate for him to miss out on anything. But all kidding aside, if he hadn't taken the shot, there's a good chance that coming soon, he may not even be able to travel on tour without showing his papers. I mean, vaccine passport. I mean, vaccine credentials. I mean, government-sanctioned permission slip bought and paid for by Big Pharma. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been The Daily Ruckus for Thursday, July 22nd, 2021. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.